Well, welcome to Menlo Church. We're so glad you're joining us today. We're a church that believes that everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. So we hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning, church family. It's so great to be, with he- be here with you guys today on Super Bowl Sunday. In just a few short hours, we get to find out, can the Kansas City Chiefs beat the 49ers? Oh, man, yeah. I'll tell you, I did not grow up here, so I wasn't raised as a 49er fan. Um, but over the past month, thanks to some fierce campaigning by some friends and some students, as well as the desire to have a happy marriage, I will be cheering for the 49ers today. <laughs> you know, the Super Bowl is something that I think is just fascinating. Um, because for this one day that's kind of become a holiday, people all across the globe are tuning in to watch a football game. And you have, like, you have millions of people who actually love the sport, and so they're watching because they want to see who will win. But then you also have millions and millions of people who are watching because they hear that J-Lo's going to be at the halftime show, or else they tune in because they want to watch the commercials. The commercials, the thing that 364 other days you record your show so you can skip. They want to watch just for the commercials. And so somehow, NFL, TV networks, and businesses have gotten together and created this cultural phenomenon as the Super Bowl. And people tune in and pay attention. You know, 2,000 years ago, something similar to that was going on, where people heard about something going on and they couldn't help but lean in and pay attention. Because there was a, a guy from a small town in Nazareth who went around teaching and telling people about this new way of life about God's kingdom and how it was coming into our world. And over the past few weeks, we've been looking at some of Jesus' parables, the things that he talked about to teach us about this life. And we've been sitting with them and studying them to find out what could we be learning from this. But of all the parables, there is only one about which Jesus said, if you don't understand this one, you're not gonna understand any of them. And that's the parable that we're gonna be looking at today. And as we discuss this together, as we think about this together, we're going to just sit with it and figure out, hey, okay, what is Jesus saying? And thankfully for us, he actually explains this one. But then also, how do we apply this to our lives? Because I believe that when we do that, it has the power and the ability to change the way we see our lives, the way we see our world, and the way that we live our lives day after day. So the story that we're looking at today comes from Mark's Gospel. And at this point in Jesus's life, um, Jesus had already started to gain a following. People were hearing that he was a guy who could cast out demons, somebody who could heal the sick, somebody that when the religious leaders heard him speak, they trembled a little bit because he was saying things that was rattling the status quo. And so people would come to find out, okay, what's he going to do next? What's he going to say next? And so the author Mark starts in chapter four saying this, Jesus began to teach beside the lake again. And such a large crowd gathered that he climbed into the boat there on the lake. He sat in the boat while the whole crowd was nearby on the shore. Now Jesus said many things to them in parables. While teaching them, he said, listen to this. 
a farmer went out to scatter seed. And as he was scattering that seed, some of the seed fell on the path, and all the birds ate it. Other seed it fell on the rocky ground, where the soil was shallow. They sprouted immediately because the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it scorched the plants, and they dried up because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorny plants, and the thorny plants grew and choked the seeds, and they produced nothing. Other seed fell onto good soil, and it bore fruit. Upon growing and increasing, the seed produced in one case a yield of 30 to 1, in another case a yield of 60 to 1, and in another case 100 to 1. So I want you to imagine for a second that you were one of these people who went to find out what Jesus was saying. You're hearing these things about Jesus's life, heard that he's saying these things that are just mind-blowing. And then you go and you hear, and you're maybe sitting on the edge of your seat, like, okay, what's he gonna say next? And he starts talking about a farmer throwing seed. You're like, okay, okay, I know what that's about. I've seen that before. Okay, let's keep going, keep going. And he tells a story, and then he ends saying, the seed that landed in good soil, it grew, and it bore fruit. Those who hear listen and understand, and then he leaves. What do you think they might be thinking at that moment? Probably like, we came for that? Seed in good soil grows and bears fruit? Duh. Like, come on, there's got to be more to that. And oftentimes there were, and then in this case, there was. And so the people heard that and they went home, but still some continued to follow Jesus. And then when we pick up in verse 10, we read that when they were alone, this is Jesus and the people who continued to follow, it said the people around Jesus, along with the 12, asked him about the parables. Now imagine this moment being sort of like one of those moments where maybe it's with your spouse or maybe it's at work where you know you're supposed to know an answer to something, but you don't actually remember what it was, but you also don't want the person who you should know the thing about to know that you don't actually know or you don't know what you're supposed to do. So you try to find that roundabout way of getting an answer. And so in this case, I picture Peter, who's one of Jesus's closest followers, just coming up and saying, hey, Jesus, um, hey, great, great parables today. That one about the farmer, that was so good, I really understood it. Uh, but you know, James and John over here, they just keep arguing about it. You know how brothers are, they just don't like to get along. So I tried to explain it to them, but they're not really listening. So hey, do you think you could tell them? What were you actually meaning there? So Jesus says this when we continue. He says, the secret of God's kingdom has been given to you. But those who are outside, everything comes in parables. This is so that they can look and see, but have no insight. And they can hear, but not understand. Otherwise, they might turn around their lives and be forgiven. Now, I'm somebody who grew up in the church. I grew up singing the songs, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. So I had this idea of Jesus as being the most loving, welcoming, caring guy who ever lived. And so then I read passages like this where Jesus says, so that they may hear and not understand, or otherwise they might turn around their lives and be forgiven. And this doesn't really mesh with my idea of who Jesus is. It actually kind of troubles me a little bit. And anytime you have those moments in your faith, it's always important to sort of dig deeper and to ask, okay, what's going on here? Let's see if we can learn more. 
And so in this case, you find out that what Jesus was doing is he's quoting the prophet Isaiah. And the prophets throughout Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, were people that God sent to nations or to, yeah, different countries to say, hey, you guys are headed in the wrong direction. If you don't turn your lives around, if you don't change your lives, trouble's coming, judgment's coming. And so they would go to these people and say this, hey, you're on the wrong path. Turn around and then things will go well for you. But if you don't, trouble's coming. And so Isaiah was sent to Israel during a time where Israel's kings weren't really following God very well. They were people who had pretty much abandoned all that God had called them to do, and they're kind of living their own life, doing whatever they wanted to do. And so God sent Isaiah to Israel, and he says this, go say this to the people. Listen intently, but don't understand. Look carefully, but don't comprehend. Same thing, same idea that Jesus shared about. And you see, the prophets, Isaiah, when he would go, he would deliver a harsh message that challenged people to change their lives, would tell them something that they didn't want to hear, but would say, change your life. Now, let me ask you this. When you're having a bad day, if you have those bad days, and somebody comes up to you and says, you're in a bad mood, you need to change your attitude, how do you respond? Probably not very well. I will tell you, I am a stubborn person, a very stubborn person, and I also sometimes have bad days. On one of these such days, uh, my wife and I were cooking, and we like to cook using uh, Blue Apron, you know, the things that they send you exactly what you need and tell you exactly what to do. And I'm somebody who, I take this and I love it because it tells you exactly what you need and exactly what to do, and I like to follow the instructions because they tell you exactly what you need, exactly what you need to do. My wife, on the other hand, she likes to listen to her heart. <laughs> and so on this day, this bad mood day, we were cooking and I was on step one and I finished step one and I said, hey Taylor, I'm done with this, what should I do next? And she responds saying, oh, well, I'm working on the meat, AKA step four. I'm like, you're, wor you're working on the meat? I just finished step one. Don't you see that step two, you need the water from step two to help with step four. How can you be on step four if we haven't done step two yet? You're ruining our dinner. Like, what's going on? And she calmly said to me, Brett, I think you need to calm down and just trust me, it's gonna be okay. Did I calm down? Of course not. I kept cooking, but I was spinning internally, thinking like, what are you doing? You are ruining our dinner. They give us exactly what we need. Like, let's just do this. And so we finished dinner, and it was incredible. But did I say that? <laughs> no. All I would say was, Taylor, do you realize how much better it would have been if we just followed the recipe? <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> but I think this is sort of what's going on with the prophets, where they came to deliver this message, to tell them something like, hey, you're doing something wrong, you need to change your mind. The prophets had the better thing to do. Taylor had the better thing to do, but I was set in my ways. And oftentimes, the, the people, when they heard this, they were so set in their ways that it didn't matter what they were gonna be told. They were gonna do what they were gonna do. But there was always this option to turn and to go back to God. And we see this 
in many times throughout the Hebrew scriptures. One example of this would be the prophet Jonah. A lot of us know Jonah, probably, even if you aren't part of the church, you probably know of Jonah, the guy who got swallowed by the big fish and lived to tell the story. Now, oftentimes we teach that story saying, follow God or else get swallowed by a fish, which is nightmare inducing, Um, but that's not actually the point of the prophet of Jonah. The point of Jonah is not about a fish, it's about a God who is full of grace and mercy, who wants people to change their lives and to turn back to him. In fact, Jonah, when he finally, he was called to go to this nation of Nineveh, which was a terrible nation. We're doing terrible things towards people. And God said, Jonah, I want you to go there and I want you to tell them, tell them to change their lives. And so eventually when he goes there, he does. And what do they do? They change. They humble themselves, they repent, and they come back to God and God rescues them. But what happens then in the story is we find out that God wanted them to hear, Jonah didn't. And Jonah actually says this to God. He says, come on, Lord, wasn't this my point when I was in my own land? This is why I fled to Tarshish earlier. I know that you are merciful and a compassionate God. You're very patient and full of faithful love. You're willing not to destroy. Jonah's mad because God is a God who wants people to hear and understand. He wants people to turn to him and be saved. And so when Jesus is quoting Isaiah, what he's trying to do is he's aligning himself with the prophets of old, saying that I have come to tell people about this new life that they're invited to become a part of. But a lot of people, they're gonna hear this and nothing's gonna happen because they don't want to change. They don't wanna actually hear this. They wanna maybe hear the news or find out what I'm gonna do, but they don't actually wanna change. See, like the prophets, Jesus came, came to proclaim a new kingdom, to give us an invitation to a new way of life. But the people who heard it had to respond. And so with that in mind, or when we look at this parable and the parables through the lens of the prophets, it brings some new light to what Jesus might be saying. And it gives us an invitation as well. Will we hear and will we respond? So with that in mind, let's look at how Jesus explains this parable. So Jesus says, the farmer scatters a word in verse 14. When it talks about the word, what that's basically saying is Jesus' message to the people. And for Jesus, his message was, God's kingdom is here. Come and follow me. Be a part of this kingdom. Now, an interesting thing that I didn't mention earlier is that when the author of Mark wrote this parable, he used the same Greek word to describe where the people were sitting listening to Jesus as the soil where the seed landed. And I don't think that was an accident. So Jesus says, this is the meaning of the seed that fell on the path. When the word is scattered and people hear it, right away Satan comes and steals the word. And that was planted in them. Here's the meaning of the seed that fell on the rocky ground. When people hear the word, they immediately receive it joyfully, but because they have no roots, they last for only a little while. When they experience distress or abuse because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds scattered among thorny plants. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of this life, the false appeal of wealth, and the desire to be for more things break in and choke the word, and it bears no fruit. The seeds scattered on the good soil are those who hear the word and embrace it. They bear fruit, in one case a yield of 30 to one, in another 60 to one, in another 100 to one. 
So when you hear Jesus describe this parable, what is he focusing on? He's focusing on the soil and how the soil receives and responds to the seed. Because seeds, seeds are made to grow. I think it's interesting to note that in all of the soils but one, the seed grows. Seeds are made to grow. This right here is mine and Taylor's lemon tree. You may look at this and say, Brett, that looks a lot more like a twig than a tree. And you would be correct. So nine months ago, we bought this lemon tree uh, thinking, let's, let's just have one. And so we planted it into this pot and it started to grow because, you know, when you put a plant in a pot, you give it sunlight, you give it water, it tends to grow. That's what trees do. But then right around the time that it started to look like it was going to produce fruit, it started to turn brown. The fruit started to die. And then we noticed that in the soil, there were all these tiny little tree mites that had made its way into the soil and had been killing this tree. And so since then, we've been trying to breathe new life into our tree by giving it new soil. Please say a prayer for our tree. <laughs> it needs it. But I say this because the seed is made to grow. The tree is made to grow. This parable isn't something that's trying to tell us about, hey, make the seed grow. It's asking us, will you let the seed grow in you? Do you have the soil to help the seed grow, to let Jesus plant himself in you and to grow and bear fruit in your life? So that's what Jesus is asking with this. Are you going to let me plant my word in your life and let it grow and bear fruit in your life? Or will you just keep doing your own thing? So with the time that we have left, or actually even before that, just thinking about the goal again, it's not just growth. It's not just growth. Again, in all but one of the soils, it grew. The goal is fruit. It's for God's word to come through us and bear fruit. But what is that fruit? Well, if the seed is, God, is the word of God's kingdom, then the fruit would be lives that reflect that kingdom. Here's what that could look like. Maybe for you, it means that you have the ability now to forgive somebody who has hurt you like never before. Or it could mean, like Matt Stefan said a couple weeks ago, washing the car of your neighbor who just drives you crazy. That fruit could be being able to love and care for that person who votes differently from you. We have a leader in our student ministry named Betty, and Betty is one of the most loving and encouraging people you will ever meet. And when her girls see her at our middle school ministry, they can't help but smile and feel loved because Jesus's fruit flows out of Betty and it flows into everybody else. See, when we're planted in the right soil, when we are the right soil, God's spirit begins to grow in us and bear fruit in our lives that changes the lives of the people around us as well. So what this parable forces us to ask is not will the seed grow, but will I let the seed grow in me and bear fruit? So now what we're gonna do is I want us to take a look back at the parable and look at the explanations of each of the soils. And as we do that, I want you to ask for yourself, which soil am I? In this season of my life, which soil describes me? And I say in this season, because life has seasons. 
Our faith has seasons. Sometimes we feel like if we're following Jesus, everything needs to be trending up to the right. And sure, that's a hope, but oftentimes life happens and life is hard. Sometimes we plateau. But the hope that we find in this passage is even when we do that, God continues to work. God's seed continues to grow. When Jesus gave his life for us on the cross and rose from the dead, his kingdom started infiltrating every part of our world and he wants to let it grow in you. And so if we let it, he will continue to let it grow and to bear fruit in our lives. So let's go back to the parable and let's start with the very beginning, the parable or the seed that fell on the path. And Jesus says this, this is the meaning of the seed that fell on the path. When the word is scattered, people hear, when the word is scattered and people hear it, right away Satan comes and steals the word that was planted in them. When I think about the path, I think about this, Marshawn Lynch, or more specifically, Marshawn Lynch press conferences. If you're a football fan, you know that Marshawn Lynch is a running back for the Seattle Seahawks, and he has the world's best press conferences. It doesn't matter what question is asked of him, he responds with, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Hey, Marshawn, what about that play? I'm just here so I don't get fined. Unless Marshawn wants to change, Marshawn is gonna be Marshawn, and it is awesome. But with the path, not as awesome, the path, what I think about it like is, you know, we are set in our ways and we're just not gonna change no matter what. We're gonna do what we're gonna do. What this might look like in our lives is I'm just here because my parents are making me come. I'm just here because my spouse wants me to be here. Or we come and, you know, we like feeling connected, but I don't know if I can believe any of this stuff about Jesus, and so I'm just gonna do my own thing. I think about the path as being something where we show up, but then we go home and go back to life as normal. Now, if this is you, here's a challenge that I wanna encourage you to take this week. Take some time to ask questions for yourself. Take some time to think about what you're seeing or experiencing here and ask, is there something behind that? Start trying to learn and grow for yourself. You know, I think the path can also show up in another way. It could show up like this. You know, I'm gonna check the news headlines during this sermon on my phone because I've heard this one before. Or I'm not gonna go this week because it's, it's just not deep enough for me. I know in my own life, sometimes this will show up as saying, okay, I know where they're going, so I'm just gonna start thinking about what I have to do after this and not actually listen to what they're saying. I honestly think the path is one of the biggest dangers for lifelong church attenders because we know a lot of things, we've heard a lot of things and it can become so easy for us to be numb and just to check off the box or check out completely and not actually let God's word sink into our lives. If this is you, Here's one challenge that I would give to you. Find somebody to mentor. Find somebody for you to pour into and teach them about what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to prepare your hearts to let God's spirit grow in you and bear fruit? If you do that, I believe that God will challenge you in ways that you could have never believed. Another thing you could do if your faith is feeling stagnant is try switching up your spiritual practices. Maybe you're somebody who always reads the Bible. Maybe now find it on an audiobook and let it be read to you. You'll probably hear it in a new way or find podcasts. Maybe start praying the Psalms. Try something to switch up what you pray and how you pray. Figure out something that you can do to dig a little deeper. Now, the next one is this. 
the rocky soil, and Jesus says, when people hear the word, they immediately receive it joyfully. But because they have no roots, it lasts only for a little while. When they experience distress or abuse because of the word, they immediately fall away. When I think about this one, I think a little bit like summer vacation. Do you remember what that was like as a kid? You get out of school, you're so excited for months of fun and excitement. And then two weeks later, you realize, oh shoot, I have summer reading to do. Or else you realize, oh, I have to get a summer job. Or maybe even all my friends are out of town and I'm just stuck here watching Price is Right. (laughs) You have this excitement and this joy, but then it just goes away. What this could look like in your life is this. Maybe you went on a trip and experienced Jesus like never before. Maybe you heard a sermon that really spoke to you or you got baptized and now you're ready to take on the world. But then life hits. Then you lose your job. Then somebody close to you gets sick and dies. Or maybe you've changed, but none of your friends have. And so you're trying to live this different life, but they just don't get it. And so they start pushing you away. So you begin to slide away as well. From my own life, I can tell you being in the rocky soil is one of the most difficult places to be. But it's also the times in my life where God has used it to really shape me and grow me like never before. And so here's something that I wanna challenge you to do if you find yourself in this place. Take a step to start digging deeper roots by connecting to community. If you don't have a life group, join a life group. If you're in a life group, share where you're at, share how you're feeling with them and allow them to come alongside of you to lift you up. Lean in instead of stepping back. Seek God and let him grow his roots deep into your soil. Well, the third one is this. It's the thorny plants. And Jesus says, these are those who have heard the word, but the worries of this life, the false appeal of wealth, and the desire for more things break in and choke the word, and it bears no fruit. When I read Jesus' description of this one, it hurts. Because I think I find myself in this one more often than not. And here's what this could look like. I want to join a life group, but life is really, really busy. I want to start serving, but that oftentimes happens on the weekends, and the weekends are kind of my time. Or I want my family to make faith a priority, but our kids really need to get into that school. The tagline for this one could be, comma, but. I love church, comma, but. I really like what Jesus is saying, comma, but. We could also think about this as a soil of priorities. Do we even have space in our lives to let Jesus begin to grow in us and to bear fruit? If this is you, here's my challenge. Take your to-do list and bring it to God. Ask him, hey, God, help me see my everyday to-do list as something that can be an act of worship. Help me see this as something that I can do with you, not apart from you. Another thing that you could do is take your calendar and actually schedule time to be with God, whether that's by yourself or with your family, and don't let anything touch that. Make that sacred time. Well, the final soil is the good soil, the soil that we all hope we are, And Jesus says this, the seeds scattered on the good soil are those who hear the word and embrace it. They bear fruit, and in one case, a yield of 30 to one, another case, 60 to one, and another case, 100 to one. The good soil is the soil that creates space for God's seed to plant itself into our lives to grow and to bear fruit. And how does it do this? 
Jesus says two words. It hears and it embraces. Do you remember when you first learned how to swim, if you know how to swim? More than likely, when you learned how to swim, the first step was go to a pool, obviously. Um, kind of important. And then the next part of that, so you're at the pool, somebody probably talked to you about what you're going to do when you get in the water. And once you understood that, you might have slid into the water, and they teach you how to blow bubbles. And then once you blow bubbles and you've mastered that, you might go into floating. And then once you've got that, you might go into kicking and adding your arms, and before you know it, you are able to swim. But the way they teach you is they teach you one thing, you learn it, you embrace it, you apply it, and then you go to the next step. You learn, embrace, apply, go to the next step. I think the same thing goes on in our spiritual lives, and that's what's going on with the good soil. Theologian Klein Snodgrass describes it like this. He says, to be a disciple of the kingdom means hearing and remaining focused on the message of the kingdom in such a way that one becomes defined by it. The key to spiritual formation is the willingness to listen, the practice of the discipline of listening, and responding appropriately to the received word. You hear, you embrace or apply, and you take the next step. See, I think Jesus says, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of the other ones because he wants us to know that, hey, when I'm speaking, what I want you to do is to sit with it, to think about it, to wrestle with it, and keep moving forward. The people who are asking Jesus to explain this parable were the people who kept moving forward even though they didn't fully understand it, but they kept chewing on it and asking, what does this mean for us? How do we apply this to our lives? And I think that at the core of following Jesus is this idea of actually listening to what Jesus is saying, hearing it, and thinking about how do we apply this to our lives, and then how do we move forward with it? And when we do, God's spirit begins to take hold of our lives to help us grow and help us bear fruit like never before. And then that fruit goes and bears more seeds. But we hear, we embrace, and we keep moving forward with Jesus. See, I think this parable forces us to ask some hard questions about our lives and how we view our relationship with Jesus. It forces us to ask, will we create space in our hearts and our lives to let Jesus' seed plant its roots deep in our souls to begin to grow and bear fruit in us? Will we let it change the way we see our world? Or if we're parents, it forces us to ask the question, what kind of soil am I helping my, my kids become or have? Or every week when we show up at church, it forces us to say, okay, even if I didn't really like the speaker today, what is Jesus calling me to do as a result? How is he calling me to live my life differently? Because when we do that, when we hear, embrace, and keep moving forward, God's spirit take, digs deep into our lives and changes who we are, and fruit is produced. The good soil, it hears Jesus' words, it applies it to our lives, and then God makes us grow, and God bears the fruit in our lives. For 2,000 years, people have been hearing God's word about the kingdom. For 2,000 years, it has been taking hold in people's lives and transforming the way that people have been living. And that's why we're here today. And so this parable forces us to ask that question. Which soil are you gonna be? Which soil is our church gonna be? My hope and my prayer is that we become that good soil and we let God begin to work in our lives to bear fruit.
Will you pray with me? Hey, God, we love you um, so much. God, we thank you that you are a God who invites us um, to really let you transform our hearts and our lives and to plant your roots deep into our soul. God, help us to have the courage to ask hard questions. Give us the eyes to see places where maybe we are being like the path or the rocky soil or the thorny, thorny soil to let you begin to plant your roots deep in our hearts and our lives. God, we thank you that even if we aren't doing it now, you are a God who invites us to come to you and you will always do a new work in us. We love you in your name, amen. Well, thanks for tuning in today. We hope you were inspired by this message and can find a way to take these teachings into your week. And we'd love to see you again. If you want to find out more about our church and what's happening around the church, you can follow us on social media. We'll see you next time.